You're listening to the Bold Face Truth Podcast with Amy Green-Smith, episode 462. You can find information on anything referenced in this week's episode at amygreensmith.com slash EP462. Oh, well, hey there. Check you out listening to self-help pods and working on yourself. Fuck yeah. Quick question. You know those situations where your boss asks you to take on one more thing, or your partner asks what's bothering you, and you respond with a bold-faced lie? Oops. What would shift for you if you actually started telling the bold-faced truth? Everything. Listen, if you struggle with people-pleasing, perfectionism, and you could use some help with boundaries or speaking up, you are in the right place. Thank God. I am Amy Green-Smith. I'm a certified and credentialed life coach, hypnotherapist, and keynote speaker. Fancy. And I've been working in the personal development space since the mid-2000s. Vintage. Sometimes I'll be solo, other times you'll hear from smart folks offering you easy-to-implement tools to help you tell the bold-faced truth. Yes! Hello, audience. Amy here. Time for the final installment, the final episode under our mini-series around trauma and our families, our parents, how we were raised. So the very beginning of this series, I talked about the subconscious mind and how that is directly related to trauma as well as a great resource for you to start journaling and figuring out what the elements are that you experienced during your childhood that really, really shaped you. Last week, we talked to the brilliant Alexa Ray, who informed us about parentification trauma and all sorts of additional elements of the trauma response that we had no idea about. So be sure to check that one out. And then today, we're wrapping up by talking about some tactical steps that you can take if your parent just kind of (laughs) sucks. Like, how do we boundary up with somebody? who is our parent, right? Especially if we have historical guilt around them taking care of us our whole life, right? Even though you didn't decide that. You know, sometimes I think we get this belief that if we start addressing some of the things that were really damaging that our parents did when we were young, that we're somehow negating the other good things that happened. And that doesn't have to be the case. So we're going to be digging into that today. Again, just a trigger warning. I don't think it's going to be super intense, but if you have any sort of abuse or trauma that's really deep-seated around your family, around how you were raised, your parents, etc., just trend, tread lightly here and be kind to yourself. If this is not the episode for you, that's fine. I don't think it, we should be super explicit on this episode at all, but it, it can pull up a lot of stuff. And I just want to encourage you to to take care of yourself. yourself. And if this is, is a topic that just feels like, oh, I don't know if I can quite dig into that quite yet, that's fine too. All right. Also, I'm going to be presenting lots and lots of journal questions. So if you're not able to the first time around, I highly suggest that you listen to this episode when you have a pen and paper so you can write these prompts down and actually follow through and journal around it because there is this magic piece of our subconscious that we get to tap into when we take pen to paper. 
And processing what's happening for you around these inquiries can be huge cathartic steps in starting to heal some of this, uh, some of this stuff from childhood. Okay, so we are going to cover off seven things that you can do if your parent just kind of sucks. Oh, I almost forgot. Before we dive into all of this, I am super happy to announce that we do have another application window, a second application window open for Worthy, which you may have heard me talk about before. This is a brand new program that I'm starting. It is a highly transformational, deep dive group coaching immersion and luxury retreat. And we have a few spots remaining. All you have to do is go over to amygreensmith.com slash worthy, and you will see the official invite that is in PDF form so you can peruse that and look at all of the specifics, all of the content, what we're going to be covering, how we're going to do this deep dive, and all of the beautiful images of our gorgeous, gorgeous luxury retreat where we will be on a beach in Mexico incredibly stunning. So we will be doing all of this deep, awesome work together. And then a few months later, we get to meet each other in real life in this beautiful paradise. So please go to amygreensmith.com slash worthy, read all about it, and then you'll see an opportunity to uh, fill out the application. The application should take you maybe five minutes, but even that process can be really helpful and thought-provoking. And I've had people tell me that just filling out the application was a healing step for them. So please go do that. Uh, and then we'll we'll jump on a call and iron it all out and make sure that everything feels really good for you, answer any questions that you might have. And this is the big guns. Because like I said, we're going to be working together for nine months in a small group. I'm not taking more than 15. Most of those spots are gone now, but we do have a few open for this second application window. And this is only going to be open for a week. So jump in immediately. I think we're doing nine days, something like that total. So just over a week. And we are doing all of it. We're looking at inner child stuff, emotional intelligence, hypnosis is going to be throughout the entirety of the program. We're looking at identity work, values work, belief work, tough conversations, boundaries, how to speak up. All of these different things are going to be covered over this deep dive immersion that will span the better part of a year. And we, I've done similar work in a smaller container in about three to four months. And I've seen massive transformation just in that small time frame. So I am beyond excited to see what it looks like when we are together for a, it, it, double that time, if not longer. And this really is about getting you connected to your worth. Because I have seen when folks truly believe that they are enough, that they matter, that they're worthy, every single thing in their life changes. They start letting go of the constant need for approval and constant people-pleasing or perfectionism, doubting themselves, not having confidence to go after things, being riddled with anxiety or worry or overwhelm. All of that stuff is going to get kicked to the curb and we're going to learn how to process it so that you believe that you are worthy. And that has to do with 
shifting belief systems and doing some of this inner child stuff. So I am so excited for this. We're going to get going in October. But again, applications are open again starting today for just um, just over a week. So please don't wait because those spots are going to fill up really quickly. Let's talk about what to do when your parent just kind of sucks, meaning that you are constantly feeling like you need to establish boundaries or you do establish boundaries and they get walked all over or they're somewhat verbally abusive. They're just not supportive of you. Maybe you have a lot of baggage from things that happened early on in your childhood, some historical trauma. So I want to talk to you about seven things that you can do that are actually within your power to help you process this. Okay, first off, I want to talk about this concept of dichotomous emotion. And this is something that I constantly work with my students and clients on because we oftentimes think that if we go through something or we have a relationship with someone, that it needs to fall into one category and that we can't experience more than one emotion around a specific incident or dealing with a specific person. So one of the things that I see and how it manifests is, let's say you had a really tumultuous relationship with your parents growing up, maybe maybe there was a lot of uh, substance abuse or you know they weren't present very much. But there's this flip side that there were some really beautiful times with them, or you know that they did sacrifice a lot to take care of you financially. So there's this push-pull of like, if I address some of these things that were damaging, that must mean I'm not grateful. And that's just simply not true. We can hold multiple emotions or two emotions at the same time, dichotomous emotions, that are seemingly opposite. So it's not dissimilar to you could be in a job that you really, really don't like, that you're not fulfilled in. And so you're unhappy. And at the same time, you're grateful to actually have a job. Both of those things can coexist. So the same is true for unpacking things that happened with our families or with our parents. We can be grateful for some of the good times, or we can be still have love for them and recognize that some of the things that you experienced from them that were their responsibility were highly damaging or traumatic to you and allowing all of that to coexist. And one of the things that got me thinking about this topic was a show that Mr. Smith and I have been watching lately called Animal Kingdom. And if you haven't watched it, it's amazing. I thought for sure it was going to be like a David Attenborough, like, teach me about lions and shit and cougars. No, it's actually like a dark kind of crime family drama. And I I cannot, you have to Google it. I can't remember what platform it's on, but it's basically like Sons of Anarchy meets Point Break. (laughs) It's like these, these surfing brothers that are that also do these heists and are a crime family essentially but there's this one particular character who has done some egregious things his name is pope and he has killed folks he's framed people for you know crimes that he did and 
So you see him through this one lens, but then you also see him through a different lens in the way that he caretakes for his niece. And he loves her tremendously, and he wants the best for her, and he's trying his best to provide for her and to take care of her. And what I was struck by when I was watching this episode, because you can't take the life coach out of the girl, that's for damn sure, was how nuanced we are as people and how the same person can be the person who is loving and kind to this child and that who also murders people. And (laughs) I know that's such an extreme analogy, but it's the way in which we try to say that people are all bad or all good. Another example that I've used many times with my students is like, let's say that there is a CEO of a company who does all of this good and works in these philanthropic efforts, donates to charity, helps people get on their feet or helps them with job security or whatever. And you come to find out that the CEO has embezzled a shit ton of money from the company. He's He or she is still the same human. They still are the person who donated to charity. They're still the person who did all the philanthropic work. And they are also the person who embezzled from the company. So I want you to, to look at your parents and your experience with your primary caregivers through a multifaceted lens, through nuance, that they are not all good or all bad. Most of us are a nice little medley of both. (laughs) And sometimes even the most well-meaning parents, which I definitely had, the well-intentioned parents can cause a lot of damage and a lot of trauma. And all of those things can coexist. That's the first item of business is to recognize that you aren't throwing your family under the bus doing your parents a disservice by acknowledging the things that they said or did that were damaging to you. It doesn't have to mean that you hate them or that you don't have positive associations with them. You're simply saying these things caused this effect and I deserve to find healing around that effect. Okay. Number two, this is a a concept I use a lot as well in my teaching, especially when we're talking about parents, which is understandable, but not acceptable. For example, (laughs) your parents may have been horribly abused or treated really, really poorly by their parents. So it might be understandable why they continue that same process with you and your siblings, but it doesn't mean it's acceptable. So what I want you to think about as it relates to this concept is I want you to journal around what unacceptable behavior have I permitted because it was understandable. I can't tell you how many students I've come across who've said, you know, I have so much compassion for my dad or my mom. You know, she grew up with alcoholic parents or he was severely abused by his parents. And, you know, so I understand why he lashes out or I understand why she drinks so much and then wants to have conversations with me. Yes, understanding it 
does not mean that you have to accept it. You can understand why they chose those patterns of behavior and still recognize that it's not an acceptable way to behave. So start thinking about that. What unacceptable behavior have I permitted because it was understandable? Number three, no regrets. (laughs) And regrets is spelled R-A-G-R-E-T-S. If you know, you know. It's actually a really funny part of a movie called Meet the Millers where this silly character gets no regrets tattooed on his body and it regrets is spelled wrong. And Jason Sudeikis' character is like, really? No regrets? Not even like maybe one letter? (laughs) Okay, so no regrets. Here's a whole series of questions that I want you to ask yourself about your relationship with your parents as it stands right now. Have I said or asked for everything that I need in a clear and kind manner? Have I given them the opportunity to be what I need? If I were to sever this relationship, can I walk away being at peace with how I've shown up, with what I have or haven't said? So a couple of nuanced pieces here. There are some familial situations that are so severe that giving them the opportunity to be what you need is not even a possibility because of who they are or because of their skill set or their capability or their willingness. A perfect example of this is Mr. Smith's father, who has since passed on. And, you know, we've been together for 25 years, and I think I have maybe saw this man three or four times. He was an egregious father by anyone's account and was not really interested in being a a father to Mr. Smith in any way. There was some pretty severe abuse that happened early on and tons of verbal abuse. So when my dad died in 07 and Mr. Smith had an incredible relationship with my dad, when my dad died, I really felt like one of the reasons why I had so much peace surrounding his passing was because there was nothing I felt like I needed to say. I felt like our relationship was great and fantastic and he had officiated our wedding. You know, just I had no regrets. There was nothing I wished I would have addressed with him or said or anything like that. So I imparted that to Mr. Smith and just said, hey, I know that your father and you are estranged. You're not interested in having a relationship with him. But I would encourage you to take on this inquiry of if my father were to pass, would I be at peace with where we are, with what I have or have not said to him? And ultimately, he did a lot of introspection around that and decided, you know what? This man has been dead to me for decades. And I am okay if the worst case scenario were to happen, I could walk away and not have any regrets. Not have any regrets. 
So I do think there are situations when you you do have to say that individual and where they are in their life is too toxic for me to even engage with. But then I do think there's this whole spectrum of other family members who might be willing to have a conversation with you about a difficult subject if you approached them in a different manner. Because most of the time when we're dealing with historical trauma or, you know, those hot button things that we get triggered by, by our parents or some topic, we want to lash out. You know, we want to spit venom. We want them to feel a pain because we have felt a pain. And that very seldomly, if ever, I would argue pretty much never, helps to yield the result that you want, which is genuinely to be heard. Most of the time, we just want to fucking be heard. So have I given them the opportunity to be what I need, given that this is a parent that you would like in your life or you would like to find some common ground, that is likely going to mean you being really explicit about what you need from them. And we've got tons of podcasts that I've done specifically on having tough conversations, establishing boundaries, whole series on both of those things. So we'll link to a handful in the show notes if you're wondering how do I broach those. But what I think is really important for you to parse out is really that question of if worst case scenario were to happen or if I consciously choose to sever this relationship, can I walk away and be at peace with what I have or haven't done or have or haven't said. I think that element alone is very telling. Before we continue, I wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsor. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. And you know I'm a huge fan of therapy. I like to say, if you don't think that you need therapy, then you probably need therapy. Because listen, without a healthy mind, being really, truly happy and at peace can really be a challenge. But the good news is that therapy really does work. So whatever you need help with, it is time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling feeling better, okay? Because you deserve to be happy. Here's the deal. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't even have to be on camera if you don't want to. Hello, introverts. I see you out there. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. They have over 20,000 therapists in their network, which gives you way, way more options than your immediate geographical area. And it's also available for clients worldwide. Much more affordable than in-person therapy. And you can start communicating with your therapist in less than 48 hours. So join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. In fact, a member of my family just started and totally loves it. It is always a good time to invest in yourself because you deserve it. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and the Bold Face Truth podcast listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash bold truth. That's betterhelp.com slash bold truth or enter the code bold truth at checkout again to save 10% off your very first month. Okay, number four, this is a concept that I use all the time to help keep my ass in gear around guilt trips from family. I do not believe blood is thicker than water. I believe that respect is thicker than water. So to me, 
And this is, again, my perspective and my ideology, so feel free to adopt it if it resonates for you. I don't believe that being blood relation means a damn thing. From a spiritual perspective, I personally think we choose the bodies that we are born into to experience different lessons that we need to in this lifetime. But I don't think there is any allegiance as like family comes first at all. No, fuck that. Fuck that. Not at all costs. Not at the cost of my sanity, of my health, my well-being, my relationships that I really value. No. Respect is thicker than water. That means to me that I can have really deep, thoughtful relationships with damn near anybody as long as we have a mutual understanding of respect. So what that means is if you have a parent who you do try to have thoughtful, boundaried conversations with, you say, hey, it's not okay for me for my children to watch that sort of a thing when they're with you and they mock you, they ridicule you, they call you names. That is blatant disrespect in my book. And there's nothing that you owe somebody simply because you are a blood relation. You did not ask to be born. (laughs) That was a decision that was not yours to be made. You do not owe anybody an allegiance simply because of blood. So my barometer of folks that I am willing to have in my life comes down to respect. Are you able to converse with me even about things that we aren't allied on and do so in a respectful way? Then I'm happy to have you in my life. But if you are not respectful of how I operate my life, of my home, of my marriage, of my work, then there are going to be some serious boundaries that are placed. So I would encourage you to think about that. Like, how does that land for you? What would that look like for you to genuinely adopt the belief that respect is the baseline, not blood? That respect has to be the most important element present for us to engage going forward. And that's a value statement. That's you saying, this is one of my values. And disrespecting somebody, dismissing someone's opinion, telling them that they're wrong, being a name caller, those things are in direct opposition to respect. Okay? They're antithetical to respect. All right. So we've got the first four. We've got understanding dichotomous emotions. We've got number two, what is understandable but not acceptable. Number three, no regrets. Number four, blood is th- is not thicker than water. Respect is thicker than water. Number five is to define your boundaries. Now, I've mentioned this a few times throughout this series, but we don't root for our trauma, okay? We don't root for the idea that we survived abuse or trauma. We don't like that idea. What we like the idea of is it's not that big of a deal or it's fine, or I'm going to be okay, or it's not that serious. We also root for our parents. I don't know if any of you have had this experience where you're super excited about something and you want your parent to be super supportive about it. You know they never are, 
but yet you're rooting for them to just come through for you. So I'm going to turn to them again and tell them this exciting news, and then you get shot down. Maybe it's a new job opportunity or something, and they go, when are you going to get a real job? You know you can't depend on that. But we constantly root for them to be the parent that we need. And sometimes that's through behavior like that, where you know they aren't the ears that can hear you, but you keep knocking on that door, hoping that they will magically be the person that you need. So I want you to think about with these boundaries with your parents, what am I saying yes to? What am I saying no to? Because when we say yes to one thing, inevitably, we're saying no to another. For example, if I am saying no to being treated that way, I'm saying yes to self-love. If I say yes to engaging with a family member who's abusive, I'm saying no to my own integrity or self-confidence or what have you. So there's a trade-off when we say, oh, I couldn't possibly say anything or I couldn't possibly establish a boundary. Usually what we're saying yes to then is our own suffering. So I want you to give some real concerted thoughts to what that boundary looks like. And again, we'll link to a bunch of other boundaries and tough conversation podcast episodes that I've done so that you can have more tactical steps surrounding that. But I want you to think about this question. This is another one to jot down. What is the cost of allowing their behavior to continue? What does that cost? It might be something financial. It might be something emotional. It might be something time-related. Like the more I allow them to commandeer my time, the less I have to give to my nuclear family, to my children, to my partner, or to my work. So there is typically some sort of a cost when we're talking about the guilt involved with staying allied to a parent that maybe isn't as emotionally evolved, isn't healthy in their own journey, or who is downright abusive. What is the cost of allowing them to remain in your life? So delivering your boundary may or may not be necessary. Like with Mr. Smith, it was very much too little, too late, or basically nothing too late. And so he, there was no big conversation or boundary that needed to be delivered. It was just sort of a, I'm not responding to you (laughs) and I'm not engaging with you and I'm not going to allow you to guilt trip me into any of your, your bullshit and to just quite simply remove yourself from the equation. That is an option as well. One thing that I will always, always emphasize is that your physical safety and I would argue your mental safety is always the most important thing. So being around an abusive, like physically or verbally acrimoniously abusive parent 
my first item of business is always going to be do whatever you need to do to be safe. So if that is not being around them physically and delivering a boundary over the phone, great, or texting it, great, or not doing any of that because none of that is safe, that's fine too. So all of these things are going to be incredibly nuanced depending on what your specific dynamic is like. But for the love of God, your physical and mental safety is always the most important thing. And especially when we're dealing with folks who perhaps aren't healthy themselves, I have a I, I don't want to say that they're, you know, that people are toxic or damaged or broken or anything like that. I just think they're on a different, a different journey and they may not be able to be what you need at that time. That if they are occupying and behaving in abusive ways, those are not the people to have thoughtful conversations with. Far too often, I will see people who are dealing with an abusive parent or an abusive spouse or something like that, and they want to apply regular communication tactics. And that's not the case. (laughs) My advice for somebody to communicate with a parent who is maybe doing something that that is not helpful, um, but they're not necessarily overly abusive or name-calling or things like that is very, very different than if you're dealing with an actual abusive situation and or a highly manipulative or gaslighting situation. You know, those are those can be very damaging. So the the tactics to go about conversing with somebody like that is very, very different. Okay. So in some situations, like with Mr. Smith's dad, a full-on conversation was not warranted. And also probably wouldn't have been emotionally safe for Mr. Smith. Okay, number six, create go-to responses if anybody else asks you what is up. So if you have siblings who want to ask you, why won't you call mom? Why don't you call dad? Or you have aunts and uncles who are like, call your mom or what's wrong with you? You need to have some sort of back pocket response so that you are ready to shut that shit down and not not let it get anywhere you don't want it to get. Now, I'm not talking about if you have siblings who you're super close with and that's one of your besties and you unpack things together and you feel safe with them. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about unnecessary family drama or other people who are going to try to get involved and just make a mess out of everything. So I would create something like you know, that's not something I'm comfortable talking about at the moment. I really hope that you can understand. Or, you know, I mentioned to you before, that's not something I really want to get into. I, I truly hope you can respect that. And then switch the topic. Then say, so how is how is Jesse doing, like their kid or something? Or how has it been going at work? Whatever happened with fill in the blank. Just change the fucking topic. And that paired with you saying, I'm not going to talk about it usually does the trick. If they continue to ask you, like, no, seriously, why Why won't you call mom? Don't answer that question. Reiterate the boundary and say, as I mentioned, it's something that I'm not comfortable discussing. And again, I need to ask for your respect in this matter. Right? <laughs> Please respect our privacy at this time, like every celebrity, right? But write that down. Write down what your go-to response is going to be If you are asked about it and you don't want to be asked about it, 
write that, down that phrase and then rehearse it, like literally rehearse it in front of your mirror. <laughs> this is a an assignment that I give people all the time because what is happening is we are typically responding from our go-to behavioral tactics that we've always used, right? If we are used to people-pleasing, that's what comes naturally. If we're used to placating and acquiescing to what somebody else needs, that's what comes naturally. If you're used to saying, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, that's what's going to come out. So we have to practice and rehearse some other phrase, some other thing that you want on the ready when you're put in those situations, okay? Which, by the way, we go into at length in Worthy and talk about all the nuances of boundary setting and tough conversations in a much deeper way than we do here here on the pod. So if that's been a real sticky topic for you, you might want to check that out. Okay. And then finally, number seven, get support. I honestly do not know anyone. I don't think I've ever met one person who did not have something they need to process around their parents. Many of us have a mother or father wound that we're navigating. The most important thing I think here is that you speak your truth into ears that can hear you. Not all ears are capable of hearing you. You need to have a safe place where you can process these things. So if you have, let's say, a sibling who grew up with, you know, a different parental situation than you did, like maybe parents got divorced, remarried, had kids, whatever, and their experience with your father is very different than your growing up experience with your father, that person might, that sibling, half sibling may not be the best, safest place for you to land. They might not be ears that can hear you. But we all have wounding around this. Some of it, some of us more severe than others. But it is worth getting some support and really working through this, especially so that you don't pass it on and start creating generational trauma. I think for many of us, a lot of women that I've talked to, having kids was so sobering for them because they realized, I don't want to continue these patterns of behavior that I learned from my parents or primary caregivers. I want to disrupt that. And, and I have a lofty kind of arrogance a little bit for Gen X because I feel like we were the very first generation to start shifting that and to start going, no, 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 we're not going to do this bullshit. And then millennials and Z-Gens, like, they give me so much hope around really seeking out therapy and having no issue with that and not being this weird thing that we need to be hush-hush about. But if you do have some extreme issue with your parent, uh, therapy with them could also be an option. There are plenty of therapists who specialize in that sort of an arrangement. If you don't have a parent who's willing or that's not exactly what you're going for, like perhaps Mr. Smith and his dad. Mr. Smith would have never been invested enough in his dad to actually go through that kind of an effort. He just literally didn't care enough. (laughs) And that's okay too. Like, again, you don't owe anyone anything just because of their blood. It is okay if it is too little too late. But make no mistake, 
you do deserve your healing. So if you are still dealing with ramifications of your parents' decisions and actions, it's on you to get the support and healing that you need. Now, we deal with a lot of that inside of Worthy. We talk a lot about inner child work and healing that yourself so that you don't have to rely on them just magically becoming amazing parents. <laughs> but it also puts you in such a more powerful position when you genuinely believe in your own worthiness, when you believe that you are enough and you understand what your core values are, what you stand for. I remember teaching um, a program similar to this and I had a student who said, I joined this program originally because I thought I was broken and I thought I needed fixing. And what I really needed was just to allow myself to be me and not apologize for it and not twist and contort and try to make everybody else happy. And that shifted her entire business, her relationship with her children. Everything changes when you believe that you're worthy. So again, just filling out that application could be incredibly cathartic and healing for you. Get all the information by going to amygreensmith.com slash worthy. And I think you'll know very quickly I'm either the practitioner for you or I'm not, right? And if it, and it's also not uncommon that I have students and clients who are also seeing a therapist at the same time because we target such different things. And the assignments and the homework is very, very different. So that is an option for you as well. Again, that will that link will be in the show notes, but just know that you you do deserve to unpack this and to start creating a different trajectory. No matter how far down the wrong path you've gone, you can always turn around. And if that parent of yours has been pulling you down that wrong road and you've been just blindly following, you can turn around. And you can also find people who will hold you up along that way, along that journey. All right, friends. So Let's do a quick little recap. Number one, understand that you're going to have dichotomous emotions around this or even more, <laughs> more than two. Number two, recognize what is understandable from your parents, but also not acceptable. Number three, nail down anything you need to say or do to have no regrets. Number four, entertain the idea that respect is thicker than water, not blood. Number five, define your boundaries. And again, there will be more resources in the show notes for you if you want uh, some more, more podcasts on those topics. Number six, create some go-to responses if other folks ask you what's going on and you don't really want to talk about it. Create, create a way for you to get out of that conversation. And then finally, number seven, get support, whatever that might look like for you. Next week, we are going to start a brand new series on a toxic relationship to achievement and goal setting. Uh, so we're going to have an awesome guest coming in, hopefully if I can get a hold of her when I dial the expert, and uh, we'll, be, we'll be talking about a lot of that as it relates to overfunctioning and the way that we kind of use achievement as a proxy for our own healing. So I will see you around these parts next week. Please remember you are enough. Your voice matters. So go out there and speak your bold-faced truth. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Just one more thing. So these podcasts, it turns out, don't actually rate and review themselves. So I would be over the moon if you would leave a review, rate the show, 
subscribe, and tell anyone you know who needs to start speaking the fuck up for themselves. And if you do, I will give you a mini pig. Just kidding, but I will be so very incredibly grateful. Okay, thank you. Bye.